There is nothing better in this earthly life than to marry the woman you love and to have children with her. I don't know what it is in this generation. There's just been this developing subculture of people that frown on marriage. And I don't get it. You got the people that just want to play house. It's like this uh, serial monogamy thing. Move in with the boyfriend, move in with the girlfriend. You know, see if it works. You know, let's let's fornicate a bunch. Let's keep separate checking accounts. Let's do drugs together and watch TV together. And playhouse. Well, that usually doesn't work. It's all based upon the physical and all based upon the individual and not serving anybody. You know, it's basically trying to live like a married couple with no covenant, with no vow, and it doesn't work. Well, then you have uh, some, the pendulum swings the other way. These people that refuse to cohabitate with anybody. It's just them, but, you know, they, they have their apps that they can uh, get on and type in what they're uh, wanting in a relationship for that evening. You know, and then the, the app, you know, takes the computer code and makes them a perfect match and they, they meet, they have a few drinks and you know what happens next. And I, these are the type of people that don't want to have kids. They're more concerned about their abs. And I don't understand that. Is abs better than having a son one day? Is having a gluteus maximus better than having a daughter one day? You know, the it's the obsession with self-image that somehow children are just going to make me hideous. No, children actually make you better. Children make you a better individual. Marriage between a man and a woman is the foundation and the backbone of society. Look at history. When people would get in their boats and cross oceans to find new worlds, new lands, did they depend upon gay couples to keep them surviving? <laughs> did they depend on people who refused to have anything to do with family to survive? Not really. It was husbands and wives and the children, and then the grandparents and the grandchildren. That's the foundation of, of a society. But the devil, through all of the lies and deceit and all of the false depiction of what happiness truly is, and the, you have the sewer pipe called Hollywood, spewing out garbage into the minds of these teenagers and people in their early 20s that you don't need to settle down. Why settle down? You know, have fun, have candy, have pleasure. If it feels good, do it. Do it, man. Do it in the road. Do it wherever. God, let me tell you, yeah, yeah, it may seem fun living like that, you know, with, with the abs in your rear end and all, all these people, these girls that their lives are based upon exhibiting their rear ends on Instagram. That may seem fun, quote unquote, for a little bit. I'm not going to speak for the girls, but I'm going to speak to the guy. Dude, getting old is a reality of life. I don't understand this. People that are getting old, you see these guys. Uh, I saw this <laughs> this dude walking through the store the other day. He had to have been about 67, 68. 
He had dyed jet black hair. Uh, looking like he just jumped out of the window of Banana Republic. And uh, a, a gross fake tan. Nothing wrong with being tan, but you know what I'm talking about. The, the fake tan where your, your skin starts to look like jerky. And I could just tell this dude is 60 years old, dyeing his hair, tanning, got a gym membership, and uh, always carries those little blue pills with him. That's not life. That's fake. And it doesn't lead to anything good. No, the joys of marriage, buying a house together, having children together, getting your educations, getting your careers. Most importantly, where are you going to church? What Bible doctrines are you going to believe? Getting saved, becoming heirs together of salvation, and raising those children in the fear of the Lord. That is joy. That is happiness. That is fulfillment. Don't worry about your abs. Don't worry about your rear end. Worry about your marriage. So you're here to listen and I'm here to talk. This is Justin C. Gleason bringing you the straightforward message of God, Bible, and church in the year of our Lord, 2021. Please subscribe, become a loyal listener, give a great review and rating, and share this episode with your friends. Reference the episode notes for my contact and social media information. Podcasting, it is the future. So as you know, if you've listened to our episode last week, there's been a slight change in this podcast. We are no longer Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason. Our podcast name is just now officially Justin C. Gleason. And we have a new cover art, the radios. Gotten a lot of great feedback on that. They like those radios. Uh, radios is, is a major part of my story in this uh, ministry, this ministry, this uh, form of uh, bringing the spoken word and uh, through content creation and just the art of dialogue to you. Radios has a lot to do with that. And we've talked about that before, and we'll probably talk about it again sometime. So, uh, But I'm concerned that some of you, the name change and the new cover art is not appearing on your podcast yet. Podcasting, the platforms of it, operates on a little bit of a different... Um, technology and a little bit of a different transfer of data. So we apologize for the confusion about this. Um, there's, it's really out of my hands. Some things just move slow. And it, hey, it's COVID-19. Even the, the pods are moving slower. But for many of you, you've gotten the name change, you've gotten the cover art, and everything is fine. So I'm just going to say this one more time. I, I think two episodes is good to announce this, why we're doing this, the purpose of it. So why, why this name change? Well, not too well. Last year, I was I, I was uh, watching TV and I came across this ghost hunter show. I've never watched a ghost hunter show in my life. I think it is. I think it's just silly. I, I don't even think it's real. I think it's all just um, fiction and uh, just smoke and mirrors. None of it is real. Well, I stopped and watched these two guys. They had these very high tech looking. Uh, devices and they were in a house 
And one look at this house, I could feel it. I could see it. That house is haunted. Uh, I've, I have cast devils out of people. And you know where else I've cast devils out of homes? I've cast them out of homes. This is common. People in the church, they move into a new house. They get into that house and they're like, whoa, something else is living in this house. You know, you start, uh, your lights start flickering. The blinds start moving. Pictures start flying off the wall. Uh, you wake up in the middle, middle of the night. Something's on top of you, choking you to death. Uh, your, your children are screaming because something's in the closet. All that stuff is not just, uh, you know, what they do in books and movies. No, it's very real. Some devils want people, some devils want a place. And I just know what the spirit world looks like when there is demonic activity inside of a residence. And I could just see it in that house. Like that house is what the world would call haunted. But I would, I would say that, uh, that that house is now possessed by spirits. There's things that happen in that house that the devils love. They want to remember it and they want to be around it. And we have the power to cast it out. Praise the Lord. So anyway, these ghost hunters are walking around with their devices and they kept saying, oh, here's a spirit signal. Here's a spirit signal. Here's a spirit signal. And I was like, what? They listen to my podcast? My podcast is on ghost hunters? Yay! And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. No, it's not the podcast. It has nothing to do with Justin. <laughs> They're looking for demons. And I just thought, I don't want to be associated with this. And I thought perhaps it's just these guys, but oh no. In that ghost hunter world, spirit signal is a major part of their lingo. They're getting a signal from a spirit. So I don't want to be associated with that. I, I hope you can understand. Another thing that somebody told me who really knows what they're talking about the name Spirit Signal is a uh, professionally produced copyrighted song by an artist. And this individual, one of my advisors, recommended that I think about a name change because I could possibly get in trouble in the future if ever this artist wanted to do something uh, to cause me trouble because of his song title probably will never happen but you know i i try to protect myself and be cautious with with everything that i can another reason is you know when you get into something very rarely when you begin something do you just keep the na same name the same format all of those things no things change as you develop your art as you develop uh what you do and what you produce and one of those things is that I've noticed with podcasts, most podcasts are co-hosted. They, ha they have many different people talking and generating conversation. Well, I don't do that. I'm a monologuer. It's primarily me talking. And every once in a while, I'll have guests on this podcast. So people that, have, that are co-hosted, they can't all throw their name on that, on that podcast. They've got to come up with a name that's separate from their actual names. But you look at monologuers, guys and girls who primarily it's just them talking, they don't use a separate name from their own name. They use their own name. Radio hosts have been doing this forever. TV show hosts have been doing this forever. And so I want to fit that uh, line of thinking, that type of podcast culture, to use my name. And then this, this year, I have come into contact, you know, 2020, I started this podcast, but I wasn't traveling much, like, like most of you weren't. Well, 2021, I started traveling. 
and I'm a guest speaker with the United Pentecostal Church. And every church that I've gone to this year, about 10 to 15 people come up to me and they say, hey, I'm one of your loyal listeners. I love the Justin Gleason podcast. I recommend you, Justin Gleason, to everybody. Nobody is saying spirit signal. I don't, I don't really hear people say spirit signal. And really, people don't refer to this as spirit signal for the last almost 18 months that we have done this. They all refer to it as Justin Gleason. And I think a, a human name is what people identify with more. So that's another reason why we are changing it, because of the psychological identification of our loyal listeners, which is also a very good reason all in its own. So, yeah, you look in the Bible, Jesus changed people's names. He sure did. There's nothing wrong with that. So all it's going to really do is if you follow your podcast alphabetically, you don't really go off what is updated, but rather you just like to search what is alphabetically in your uh, sub subscribership folder. You won't find me in the S anymore. You're just going to find me in the J. Justin C. Gleason carries a great meaning. Most Americans don't even know what their name means. I've got to take the lid off this coffee. I went with an Americano today. Oh, it's so good. But I, I don't I don't like the lid. I've got to take the lid off. Ah, coffee's good. Justin C. Gleason. Justin, my, my father... Stan Gleason gave me that name. It wasn't common in the 1980s. It's since then become very popular. You know, all the names that end in, in S-T-I-N. Justin, Austin, Dustin, Rustin, Zaxton, Baxton, Bustin, whatever. Just hopefully you don't name your kid Cussin. Justin means it's it's a derivative of the ancient Latin word Justinian, which, which meant... Um, justice what is right you know what is what is proper in a court of law and many of the romans would name their sons justinian to mean one who would choose what was right the one who would choose what was right who would uphold the law uphold what is correct and proper well the irish being influenced by the latins as civilization moved westward across europe took that name and they named their boys not justinian but in the irish justin so and, and that's stuck here in america so I've done that. I believe that I've done the best of my ability so far to uphold what is right. Charles is an ancient British name, and it means a man. A man. Gleason is the... Um, if your name last name ends in son, typically you are come from a, uh, the Scandinavian people. Yes, your ancestors were probably Viking raiders. Um, <laughs> I have uh, a red beard. Yeah, I, yeah, way, 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 way back, yeah, Viking Raiders, which I'm not very proud of, but it is what it is. Anyway, thank the Lord for Ezekiel's prophecy that the sins of the forefathers do not pass down to the sons. Yes, Lord. But Glee is an old name for a male vocalist, the male voice, so son of a male vocalist, all right? So you think about this, Justin C. Gleason, Char Char Charles, my middle name, and, and Charles actually was the name of my grandfather. My mother gave me my middle name. Her father, Charles Dyson, a, a marvelous preacher and teacher of the word of God. Uh, so I'm, I'm very proud of that. Loved my grandpa and, and, and my grandpa Gleason, our family name. So Justin Charles Gleason, Justin, one who is upright, a man, 
and it is a male vo- male vo- vocalist, male voice. Now, I don't sing much. Uh, I do come from a family of singers. The Gleasons have certainly held on to the meaning of that name, that's for sure. But uh, I'm a talker, talking voice. So we're fulfilling those things. I've, I, I am a man who has done what is right through my male voice. So it's a good name, and I, I'm very happy about that. And I know you are too. I've gotten a lot of good feedback about that. So, so you have a new name, you have the new cover art, and uh, but still this the same old Justin. <laughs> Turning on this microphone, sipping some coffee. Turning on a little bit of a headbanging music and talking about the word of the Lord, the podcast that everybody loves. Our episode last week about the wedding day, I have gotten a lot of phenomenal feedback. And I just want to tell you all what other people are saying. Sister Josie, the wife of a preacher, Uh, sent me a message and she said, we just listened to your wedding day podcast. It is fire. And we have a couple in our church that is getting engaged soon. I recommended your podcast to them. I sent it on over to them. By the way, I love the music you use. See, I (sighs) more of our lady listeners compliment the music. And it's so shocking to me. I look at these (laughs) apostolic ladies, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, that they would <laughs> only like possibly maybe something like Sarah McLaughlin, you know, or uh, <laughs> I don't know what else is out there. But yeah, they like the music because I use a motivating sound. It's a very, very motivating sound and uh, just kind of mixes with my voice and it's cool and that, that I'm sort of stuck in the 90s with that that sound that they produced back then. Pastor Tony W. from the southwest of Missouri, he says, dude, your point about a guy, the groom, helping planning the wedding being gay, that is totally true and it's epic. Yep, you know, I'm right. Girls, watch out for that. You start talking to a guy and he starts sharing his hopes and dreams about wedding decorations. That's a red flag. Something ain't right. Okay, I had another loyal listener. Sister Renee come up to me and she said, oh my goodness, Brother Justin, my husband and I were laying in bed on Saturday night listening to your podcast and we were laughing. It was so good hearing you talk about the wedding day. I was like, wait, hold on a minute. Saturday night, you guys are, you know, turned in for the evening, ready to relax. You're you're laying there in bed and you're listening to my podcast. She goes, oh yeah. I'm thinking of all the things that a husband and wife could do on Saturday evening when the week is done, church the next day. They're sitting there enjoying each other's company, cuddling together. They could be watching an old romantic movie. You know, one of those Humphrey Bogart movies. Uh, you know, they could be having ice cream. I mean, doing whatever, you know. And they're listening to Justin Gleason. I thought, you know what? We've got something to say when couples are listening to us on a Saturday evening. So thank you so much, everybody, for your loyal listenership. Thank you for believing along with me that God makes marriage happen. God keeps a marriage happening. God helps us to bring our children into this world. And he helps us as families, the greatest unit ever that God ever created for this day and this age, to make it and to be ready for the coming of the Lord.
various passages in the Bible that every husband and every wife needs to really uh, be very familiar with. Highlight it in your Bible. Save it on your your favorite verses in your Bible app. Do something. Reading the Word of God concerning marriage strengthens a marriage. It will change your thinking. It will get you acting like the husband God wants you to be and the wife that God wants you to be. And one of my favorites is 1 Peter chapter 3. The Bible says, Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some who do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in the former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. I I just want to say this. Okay, the word of God in this passage addresses the wives first. And primarily, it talks about not what a woman a woman of God, a, a saved Christian woman, is to be outwardly. The, the the outward apparel stuff is very clear. The more gaudy a woman is, the more trouble she is. The more decked out she is, painted up, tattooed, any all of that. The more expressive she is on the outside, the more less she is like God. That's why uh, Christian women, we teach not so much to be uh, plain, but rather to not be overly excessive. It's not about look at me, look at me, look how jeweled I am, look how, uh, you know, you know, how wonderful my dress is. You know, yes, we we do like fashion, yes, we do like trends, but we don't dress in a way that attracts attention to ourselves. Uh, our ladies dress in a way that does not draw attention to their bodies; rather, they remain covered and not only modest, but rather unexposed, meaning no. We don't expose our bodies and we don't dress in a way that attracts attention to our clothing. It's more of a simpler uh, approach to this. And it's not only Christians that do this, but even just people that have sense throughout the world, they don't dress in a way that's really loud. Because people that dress in a way that's loud typically just don't do a good job in just about everything they do. They're usually trouble and business owners know this. They know this. They take that into consideration who they hire. So that's just the way it is. There's wisdom behind that. This passage here in First Peter talks more so about the woman's spirit, how she is on the inside. And guys, I know I'm talking about the wise, but guys, you need to figure this out really quickly in your marriage. Thank the Lord you are attracted to the female body. God bless you for that. But also, you need to be attracted to a godly feminine spirit. You need to fall in love with the spirit of your wife. 
the inward holiness, the gentle, quiet spirit that she is to have inside of her. Now, I know this, this culture is really putting women out there and and for some good reasons out there. I I think it really does a lot of good things. Women are getting educated now. That's wonderful. Women are getting jobs now. That is fantastic. You know, women are accomplishing things. We're seeing more and more women preaching and teaching the word of God. We need this. Okay. But when it comes to marriage and when it comes to family and how a woman is to be around her husband, does the Bible teach a hey, woman get loud? Does the Bible teach a hey, woman you are the boss? Does the Bible teach that, you know, you are the leader and the head of that family? No, it doesn't. Quite the opposite. It goes back to the beginning, the fall of man. One of the curses put upon the woman is uh, she she would uh, have grief and sorrow in childbearing. And another thing is her husband would rule over her. Her desire would be for her husband. So God, as far as marriage is concerned, has made the woman lesser. Not only does this apply to earthly family, but also in the church, because church is family, right? Even within the church, the women carry, should carry, as the Bible commands, a gentler, quieter spirit than a male. Okay, not only with her husband, even in the church as brother and sisters in the Lord. Women, do you want to be powerful? Women, do you want to get somewhere in God? You're not going to do it being loud. I'm just telling you that right now. You're not going to do it by busting up into a church. Let's say you, you come from another church. You know, you're, you're church hopping around looking for a church that appreciates your ministry. You come in there being loud, trying to be a game changer. Your pastor is going to raise his left eyebrow. The pastor's right, wife is going to raise her right eyebrow. The music minister is going to put his hands over his mouth. And the head usher is just going to shake his head and walk back out to the doors. Uh, nobody wants a loud woman in church. Nobody wants a woman who wants to be in charge in the church. I mean, even the kids run away from it. Nobody wants to be around that. You want to be powerful. You want God's anointing. You got to learn to have a gentle, quiet spirit. I'm telling you, it works. The, the most gifted and powerful women in our fellowship have a quiet spirit. Look at Sister Kim Haney, phenomenal author, phenomenal speaker. Do you see Sister Haney trying to take control over CLC? No. No, but believe me, she gets all the opportunities in the world. Why? Because she's not trying to be boss. She's not trying to have authority over any man in that church. She makes it all about God, all about his word. And that's why she's one of the most sought after preacher and teachers in our fellowship. Okay. Look at Sister Mickey Mangan. Is she down there trying to pastor POA? No, she's not. But who, who do you always see on that platform? Sister Mickey Mangan. Singing, exhorting, testifying. You see her praying with people in the altar. Believe me, that's a powerful woman. A, a woman of great status in our fellowship. And did she do it by campaigning that women need to get their license and women need to be called pastor and women need to be called reverend and women need to be called bishops and all this? No. Nope. These women who are pushing the women reverend. These women that are pushing that you have to get a license. 
that you have to do this and you need to be loud and we need to be women of leadership and we need to be women of authority and we need to be women of power and we have every right to be everything that God has made a man to be, not only in the home, but in the church. Oh, uh, you better watch out. Uh, Sister Rachel Arlene Carpenter will come after you. <laughs> okay, women, you want power? Learn to be quiet. Learn to have a gentle spirit. That's how it is. That's all. And to be submissive to your husbands. Okay? Because God will give your husband insight into how to correct you uh, to walk with the Lord and how to conduct yourself properly. Okay, let me give you an, an example. I, first of all, in when I dated my, my wife, Sister G, I, I knew very quickly she was very submissive. I knew she didn't want to be in charge. She didn't want to be in control. She wouldn't cause me problems. She wouldn't cause other people problems. She just uh, is a person who pursues peace. But uh, we had a slight problem in those first few months of marriage, and it happened in church. See, when you, it, chances are, whoever you marry, you probably didn't grow up in the same church. If you did, that, that is truly wonderful. But most of us in the apostolic church, we date long distance and we marry somebody uh, that we did not grow up with. That just seems to be the pattern nowadays. Well, Sister G, coming to our church, there were things that were done differently in our church than where she grew up. And we're sitting together, you know, up front where the ministers sit. And it was like every 45 seconds, she's leaning over to me and she uh, talks to me in my ear, chomping her gum, <laughs> which by the way, we said, you got to get rid of the gum. You got to get rid of the gum. And she would ask me a question about the service. And, you know, I'm newly married, you know, I'm, I, I'm enjoying see, looking down and seeing that ring on my, on my finger. You know, some of you like to do the watch, you know, you look down, you do the, 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 the wedding watch, you know, all that. I look down at my ring. I'm enjoying that. I'm happy to have a wife there, so I'm not going to make a scene, and I'm not going to make her feel bad. So I thought, I'll just answer her questions. And I mean, for three months, it was like you look down and you see the newly brother brother and sister, Justin Gleason, and they're talking the entire service. And what I was doing was answering my wife's questions. And they were phenomenal questions, legit questions. But after about three months, I had to sit her down on a Sunday afternoon. I said, okay, honey, we, we, we need to have a talk. This is what the Bible says. The women are to keep silent in the church. <laughs> and I said, that doesn't mean they can't sing, preach, you know, teach classes, do all these things. I said, literally, there was a problem in the church back then. There was a lot of dialogue going on when the preacher teacher was teaching. And Paul says, women, we want you to learn. Uh, 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 Professor Colin Cressman did this on his podcast, Breaking Theology. Phenomenal episode. The early church wanted women to learn. Women learn. Get smart. We want you to preach. We want you to teach. We want you to be educated. We want you to indoctrinate your children. Learn. But you got to learn silently. And the best way to learn, best way to learn is to open up your ears and shut your mouth. <laughs> now, I didn't say it like this to my wife. I was very gentle and very kind and showed her in the Bible. And you'll be amazed at how your wife, your husband will listen if you show them in the Bible. Show them in the Bible. So get to know your Bible, get to know your God, get to know your church. And after that, no more questions. And she she stopped the, the uh, chewing the gum in church. And uh, whenever we get home, yeah, there there come the questions, and it's great. It's it's uh, there's nothing better to talk about in home with your with your spouse than what happened in church. So I think those are good things to have in your marriage, a godly marriage. Woman, let your husband be in charge. 
He'll, he'll protect you. He'll guide you. He'll watch over you. He'll guard you. And of course, when you have questions, ask him in a private setting and he'll have the answers for you. But I'm telling you, I'm going to go back to this. Women, you want power. Power is through being quiet. Okay. Uh, Melania Trump, probably the, the greatest first lady, the United States of America we have ever had. Was she loud? No. It was her quietness that made her powerful. That's right. I mean, even look back in the early days of the UPC, a lot of women pastors, more than we have today, they really weren't loud. They really weren't loud at all. But they had that pastoral anointing because of their gentle, quiet spirit. Anyway, that's all. If any of this offends you, you know what? Good. Go back and listen to it again and, and let it offend you some more, you women reverend you. Okay, uh, moving on to the husband portion. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. Okay, the weaker vessel, meaning it's far as it's it's like um, uh, the levels of authority. You know, Christ is the head. The husband is the head of the woman. You know, he has the short hair. She has the long hair, all, all of that. You got that. Well, th this is why he mentions weaker. And it doesn't mean, it does mean physical strength. Chances are, husband, you're probably a little stronger than your wife. But uh, uh, you, you watch out. I think every, <laughs> every God gave every uh, woman a strong left hook. So uh, watch out for that. Uh, I've never tested my wife. I've never seen her left hook. And by the grace of God, <laughs> I, I never will. But look what it says. Honor her as the weaker vessel, even though she is lower than you. That doesn't mean you rule over her. You embarrass her. You shame her. You boss her around. You talk to her like she's like trash, you know. No, honor her. She's the greatest. She's the sweetest. You open doors for her. You roll out the red carpet for her. Uh, you help her. You serve her. That's how you give honor as the weaker vessel. And I got the revelation of this. I'm, I'm going to tell you a great story. You're going to love this. Okay, within the first month of our marriage, uh, one, one week night, I got home sooner than my wife. And I sat down on the couch and I was starting my evening routine of some work. And she comes walking into our little apartment there. I jump up, I give her a big hug and kiss, and it was her night to cook dinner. We we're both hungry, so she got started. I went over there and sat down on the couch. Well, we, we each have jobs in our homes. And, and one of uh, my wife's job is to get the mail. I never get mail. She gets the mail. So she brings in the mail and she sits it up on the top counter. I'm about 15 feet away from her sitting on the couch. And I said, honey, could you please bring me the mail? You know, she's got the pots and pans out, the spaghetti, the salad, the garlic toast, uh, the tiramisu, all of this, the sweet tea. She's getting all this ready. And I say, can you bring me the mail? And she turns around and she says, you lazy bum, get up and get it yourself. I'm cooking. <laughs> I stood up and said, how dare you talk to me like that? And she turned around and said, how dare you be so lazy? <laughs> and I am over exaggerating a little bit of this, but that you get the idea. It turned into an argument because she was busy. I was quote unquote, busy, too busy to get the mail. She was too busy to bring the mail to me and it turned into a big argument. And uh, it, it turned out to be a, a disastrous evening. Okay, so the next morning I wake up 
and I get out my Bible. I'm having my devotion early in the morning. And the mail is still there on the ledge. Neither one of us touched it. So stupid. (laughs) What is wrong with me? I sit down on the couch and I'm reading my Bible and I come across this scripture. Husbands, give honor to your wife as the weaker vessel. And I look up on that counter and I see the mail there. And then to the left of that, I see nice, beautiful, delicate dishes that somebody had bought for us as a wedding gift. I look to the left of that and there is some nice plastic Tupperware that somebody also gave us. And it's, a, it's amazing what the Lord will, if you have any prophetic insight, God usually will talk to you with objects that you see. And God was doing that with me right there. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, your wife that I have given you is like these dishes and you are like this plastic Tupperware. And God further said, if you were to push these dishes off the ledge and they fell to the ground, what would happen? And I spoke back to the Lord, having a conversation with him in my mind. I said, those dishes would break, but the Tupperware would survive. And he said, yeah, that is the picture of the female spirit, the spirit of the wife and the spirit of the husband. He said, your wife is beautiful. I made wives beautiful, but they are delicate like these really nice dishes. But the man is tough, but hideous, but he can survive, you know, tough falls. And he said, that's why that argument went the way it went last night. And I I mean, I just started tearing up. First of all, that I'm hearing the voice of God in my mind. And the revelation of the word came to me and I just knelt down and just prayed. And from then and there, I, I got a change, a completely new change in my mind of what, in my heart, what marriage should be. And I went, I went there in our bedroom, knelt down by the bed and just told my wife how sorry I was. And I told her what God showed me. And you know what? She liked it. And since that day, I've been very gentle, very gentle, man. You ha- guys, let me tell you this. You, you, God gave you a strong voice for a reason. You should never get angry with your wife. It's definitely something like that. I should have gotten up and gotten that mail. She's got her hands full of dinner. Do I want her to spoil dinner over mail? I'm telling you, when you cook a nice Italian dinner, mail can really ruin it. You get, I mean, you watch those Italian chefs. They, they turn the phones off. They don't talk to nobody. Somebody talks to them. They bark back in anger. Get away from me. Get out of my kitchen, you. You know, don't touch that. Get your fingers out of the sauce. Don't touch those meatballs, okay? Get out of here. Yeah, you know, that's, that's how Italian food is. It's very serious. Nathan Santomir, you know what I'm talking about. I should have got up and got that mail. I was being a bum, just being lazy. You know, I'm thinking, yeah, she could throw it at me, you know, but no, I needed to get up and get the mail. So yeah, that's married life. See, people don't think about married life. They think about their dating life. They think about their engagement life. They think about their wedding day. It's true. I believe it. I've said it. I'm on record for saying it. You date in the will of God, you'll get engaged in the will of God. You get engaged in the will of God, you'll have a wedding day in the will of God. You have all of those three lined up in the will of God, you will be married in the will of God. But married life is hard. And the hardest thing about it is losing your individuality and becoming one with that person and learning how to be a biblical husband 
a biblical wife. You have to totally change your mind. You have to totally, it, it's like for those of you that, that uh, get a lot of snow where you live in, in America, across the world, and when you get in your car to drive in snow, you, you got to totally change the way you approach, approach it. You can't turn the same way. You can't put your, uh, you can't give it fuel, can't give it gas the same. You can't brake the same. You can't even park the same. Everything's got to change. You got to get out there early and warm up the car. You got to be sure you've got a scraper in the car. And that's what it's life, leaving your single years to become married. Forget, you know, forget it. It ain't about you anymore. It's about them. It's about serving them. It's about becoming one with them and operating uh, in unity with them. That's your married life. Husbands, you're strong. Wives, a little more breakable. It is a heart condition. It is a spirit condition. And whenever you figure this out, you know what the Apostle, Paul, Apostle Peter says? You become heirs together for all eternity. That's right. I know Jesus said there's neither married nor, nor given in marriage in heaven. It's like the angels. There's, there's no marriage. That's not how civil, angel civilization works. But he said you will become heirs together. You will spend eternity together in heaven, not as a married couple, but as born-again, glorified, new-body believers in heaven. That's right. You get to take your spouse with you and your kids. Yes, you do. And he says, furthermore, when you do these things, your prayers will not be hindered. Oof. Oh, a moment of conviction just came in this office. You want to know why your prayers aren't being answer, answered, brother and, uh, brother and sister, husband and wife? Husband, you don't love her spirit. You, you, something's off with you, man. That's why your prayers are hindered. You do not give honor to your wife as the weaker vessel. And you, wife, you have tried to control that husband. You have tried to be boss of that husband. You talk down to that husband. You don't believe in your husband. You don't like his hopes. You don't like his dreams. You don't like the future. You're not in submission. You don't get along at church. You don't get along at home. Because you ain't obeying your Bible. You are out of alignment. Some of you wives, it's, it's, it's time to throw out some of those outfits. It's, it's too excessive. You're drawing too much attention to yourself. Some of those hairstyles you have been doing, it's too big. It's too much. You walk into church and it's like nobody can worship. They're looking at you. Everything is too tight. Everything is too shiny. You know, what, what's up with these tight shirts that are like shiny? Come on. We're here for God. We're, we're here for each other. We're not here for you. Stop drawing attention to yourself. Okay, you do these things that the Apostle Peter taught us. Read it, highlight it, go over it several times. First Peter 3, chapter 1, verse 7. It's phenomenal. I think it's really what's going to be the corrective course uh, for this generation in their marriage. Wives be submitted to their husbands, carry a gentle, quiet spirit. Husbands give honor to the wives as the weaker vessel. You'll be heirs together for all eternity. And your prayers will not be hindered. So yeah, girl, change your hair up a little bit. Change your dress a little bit. Quit calling yourself reverend. And uh, watch, you'll have a very, very nice message. Husbands, get your own mail and shut up. 
I'm Justin C. Gleason. Keep God in your pod. 